Let's take our Bibles this morning. We'll get to it in the book of Matthew. We'll get back to our series. It's been a little bit. Matthew chapter 16. Start there. Start in Matthew 16. Start in Matthew 16. And then we're going to make our way uh, to chapter number 19 and go right into chapter number 20. We sure enjoyed the music this morning, didn't you? And uh, how encouraging. And it is true that God's word changes lives. That's why we're here is God's word has changed our lives. And, and uh, if someone here today doesn't know Jesus is Savior, then he can save you, dear friend. He loves you. And God so loved you, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so um, that's the gospel. And uh, sure, thank God, you know, think about the song we're there in that you let us in. And can it be that last verse? No condemnation. No condemnation. You take into account that we're all sinners that all sin and come short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one. Makes you wonder how could we sing no condemnation only through Christ. All right, let's, let's begin our reading now. Matthew 16, verse number 24. I thought it might help us here. A little bit of this context. He's speaking much about following him. That's why Brother Yeager's song fits so well. Matthew 16, 24 now. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what's it say? Follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. You see that? You save your life, you lose it. You lose your life, you save it. For what is a man profited? Verse 26. If he gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come. I like that part, don't you? The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then, shall re, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Now let's go to chapter number 19. With that, at least in our minds as a background. And then we'll cover more of the context as we get into it. But in verse number 27 of chapter 19, this follows where the rich young ruler walked away from the Lord. He saved his life. But according to what Jesus said earlier, he lost it. So then Peter speaks up. Leave it to Peter, right? As this young man's walking away. Verse 27 says, Then answered Peter, Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? <laughs> I mean, really, it's not a bad question. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters. Somebody say that wouldn't be hard, but 
or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, notice this important part, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Notice his words in verse 30. But many that are first shall be what? Last. And the last shall be first. All right, now we need to keep reading in chapter 20 and verse, through verse 16, would you please? For, do you see the connection? For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers for, or hire laborers into his vineyard. And we had agreed, notice this please, when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour. So it'd be about nine in the morning. He went in about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Verse five, again, he went out about the sixth hour, so about noon and ninth hour, about three and did likewise And about the 11th hour, so about five o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, it's quitting time, right? Five o'clock in the afternoon, 11th hour, about maybe an hour left of daylight. He went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So, verse 8, when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire. Beginning, notice this please, beginning from the last unto the first. You see the connection? And when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house. Wait a minute, did I skip a verse? Yeah, help me out, Brother Ted. All right, verse 10. But when, they, when the first came, they supposed, and I'm sure we would too, They supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise every, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. My feet were tired and weary. As Brother Yeager sang a moment ago, I, I, we worked hard all day long in the heat of the day. These turkeys, <laughs> well, they didn't say these turkeys, but these individuals. Verse 13, but he answered one of them and said, friend, notice this, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? 
take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto the, this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but few chosen. What a passage. What a passage. Here's the title. Our series, by the way, is Jesus is King. His sovereign rule. Jesus is King. Here's the title of this morning's message. Real winners come in last. Real winners come in last. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Real winners, according to Jesus, come in last. I'm sure as shocked as the disciples were to hear it, you were to read it. They certainly were to see it. Those that started early in the morning working, that according to Jesus, first place goes to those that come in last. Some of you say, man, that gives me a lot of hope right there. <laughs> that first place goes to those that come in last. You think, man, if I get the highest score in golf, do I win? No. <laughs> right? I mean, really, that mentality, this whole mentality that, that Jesus is speaking uh, to here, it does not fit our performance-based mentality in our society where we look at it this way. Second place is really the first loser. I mean, that's how we see it, right? Second place is really just the first loser. I mean, we, we are in playoff mode right now, right? I mean, always. Poise always for the playoffs. I mean, from the beginning of the season, we're already thinking about who's going to make it, you know, to the playoffs. And, and we live with a bracket in our mind as uh, people are, and teams are jockeying for first place. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world, friend. It's a dog-eat-dog society. It's a self-consumed society. It's a society that says, you got to go after what, what you want. you gotta, you, you got to get what's yours. Live your dreams. Look out for number one. Do what you do, right? Do what you do. Get what's coming to you. Jesus takes that mentality and turns it on its head and reverses the order of this mentality. Twice in our text, he says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He reverses even the order of that, but it's the same idea. And then certainly his analogy or his uh, parable bears out the same. And we need to think about what, what kind of thinking is this? Our society would dismiss it. And, and, and our society would say that's weak-mindedness, that's anemic. No, you can't, you can't let others go ahead of you. If, if you let everybody in, you're, and, and you know, when you're, uh, uh, maybe somebody's trying to merge in, if you let everybody in, you're going you're gonna to slow yourself down. I mean, uh, you got you to go after what is yours. We, we live with that mentality. I mean, we want to we wanna keep score, which, by the way, I'm all for that. I, I, don't, I think if two teams are playing, they ought to keep score, and there ought to be a winner, and there ought to be a loser. Amen right there? Anyways, I don't believe that I may be inspired in saying so, but it's just, yeah, 
It's just right. Builds character. I had a lot of character built into me along the way. But this idea of Jesus saying, don't put yourself first, put yourself last, that goes contrary to every single one of us in this auditorium this morning. This passage is, is uh, filled with great, great thoughts and, and insights about our God who is sovereign and we who are not. And about God's justice and about God's grace. And, and it's all built together. And so that's the reason I wanted to go back to chapter 16 and get a little bit of a run at it. But certainly it has everything to do with what was going on in chapter number 19 as, as this rich man comes to Jesus. And, and he says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus says, well, if you've, keep, if you've kept the law, then, then you can have eternal life. And he says, well, which commandments are you talking about? And he went through some of those commandments. And the young man said, all those have I kept from my youth up. Now, right there, we'd call him out and say, wait a minute, you probably lied. But he said, all these commandments I've kept from my youth up. Jesus went right to the heart of the matter. And he said this, sell everything that you have, give to the poor and come and follow me. Well, the reason Jesus said that was not that the way that you get saved is by giving a bunch of money to buy your salvation. By the way, the way that you are saved, which means that you're in sin and you need to be delivered from your, from your sin and be able to go to heaven, is not by you trying harder and keeping the law. The law was given to show us that we have no hope in trying to keep the law in ourselves. It shows us, dearly beloved here this morning, it shows every one of us that we are only sinful in our orientation. We are only sinners and therefore we need somebody outside of ourselves to save us. And there's only one that's qualified to, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus was not teaching this man a works-based salvation that would go contrary to the whole word of God. It would go to contrary to everything that he had said. It certainly would go contrary to the rest of the New Testament. And so Jesus was not doing that, but Jesus was showing this man that he's not as good as he thought he was. He was covetous. He had a lot of money, he had a lot of position, evidently. He was a rich young ruler, as we often refer to him. But here was his main problem. He loved himself more than he loved others. Ultimately, as he walked away, I mean, just think about it, friend. Think about it. And I hope the man later on came to Christ, but we don't know. But just think about it, how close he was to eternal life, and he walked away from it. Somebody here today, you could have riches, you could have land, you could have a lot of things on this side going well for you. But friend, listen, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in a woeful position as it pertains to eternity. But this man walked away from following Jesus. He understood what it meant to follow him, but he thought it was too high of a price to pay. Here's why. Listen carefully. He was putting himself first. And everybody in society would say, man, that man, he's got it all. He, he's, I mean, he's prominent. He's well-respected. He's a man of position. He's a man of means. He was first in his society. But Jesus said, let me tell you something. He's last in God's society. Material possessions tends to fix our hearts down here. We begin to think in terms of price tag instead of value. And this man couldn't walk away from what he had. Now, Jesus said how hard it was for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, he says it's as hard as a, as a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, that's pretty difficult. And his disciples said, well, wait a minute, Lord. I mean, if, if a rich man can't be saved, then who can be saved? And their mentality, 
Here was their mentality. If a man was materially blessed, then he must be blessed by God. Must be right with God. But Jesus said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In other words, in fact, in Luke, Luke's account of this, it's in chapter number 18 that he gives the exact same story about the rich young ruler. But chapter 19 is the story about a man named Zacchaeus, a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see the Lord as he passed by that day. And he was a rich man, but listen to this, he got saved that day. Because God's able to save even a rich man. He saved a rich man named Saul who became Paul. He saved other rich people like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, it's not impossible for God to save a rich man. It's, listen to this. It's not God who will not save. It's man who will not repent. That's the main issue. And so... In their society, they had it set that way that, that if you're going to have anything, you got to go after it. You've got to put yourself first. Don't put yourself last. This man's walking away. I would imagine that Peter and the others watched him walk away for a while. And then Peter turned to the Lord and said, Lord, we've left everything. What will we have? Um, I don't find that the Lord rebukes Peter right here. He just really begins to answer Peter. But there was a mentality that Peter had as one of the Lord's disciples that we too may be and certainly would be inclined to have that God's got to deal with in us. We're going we're gonna to get to that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to refer to it now and then come back to it in just a few moments. But it's this. It's an entitlement mentality. And whether you think you've got it or not, you do. All that has to happen is for something to be taken away that you think you ought to have. And then you'll find out just how much of an entitlement mentality that you have. We live in a very blessed country where we have many, many things. And all that, all that needs to happen for you to realize that you've got this entitlement mentality is go to the foreign field. And as you drive on roads, sometimes rougher than Oklahoma's, you think, man, it's not like this back. Well, maybe it is, but it's not like this back where I come from. And restaurants are, well, maybe not all, but you get what I'm saying? We've got a little bit of an entitlement mentality. We think we got something coming to us because of who we are and what we've done. Well, truly... I mean, you think about it here this morning. They had forsaken all. They forsook houses. They forsook land. They forsook their families. I don't think, it doesn't mean that they never had anything to do with them again. They did. They interacted with them again. We see that. But there was this mentality that they had. Which, by the way, okay, wait a minute. Before we move on, we got we to recognize this. All the way back in chapter 16, and even chapter 17, and it's also going to show up again here in chapter number 20, that Jesus says this, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be crucified, they're going to bury me, and I'm going to rise again. He tells them that three times. The first time that he told them that in chapter 16, Peter says, not so, Lord, you're the Messiah, you're going to rule, you're going to reign. Jesus was saying, it's time to suffer. Peter says, uh-uh, God. Now, oh Lord, it's time to rule. It's time to, it's time to prosper. It's time to run these filthy Romans out. 
Peter wasn't getting it. Chapter 17, uh, he does the same exact thing. He tells them that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die, that he's going to be buried. All the while, they've been having this greatest discipleship ceremony about who is going to be the greatest disciple. They're thinking power. They're thinking position. They're thinking me first. While Jesus was talking about going to the cross. Chapter number 20, the passage right after our passage Uh, Jesus is once again, for the third time, going to say to them that he was going to suffer, he was going to die, he was going to be buried, he was going to rise again. It's right after that that James and John's mother comes and says, Hey, uh, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, could my son sit one on the right, one on the left? Well, the rest of the disciples are upset with James and John and with their mom. Not because... Not because they cared about who was humble, but because of this. They didn't want him to get their seats. It's their mentality. It's an entitlement mentality that needs to be dealt with, I believe, in each of us. But truly, God does take care of those that forsake all to follow him. We see that. Look again, if you would, in chapter number 19. And just to briefly go back through some of these verses here to show you this. that As Peter asked the question, verse 27, verse number 28. Jesus says, verily, I say to you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration. Now, the word regeneration only shows up here. This particular word only shows up here in the book of Titus, chapter number three. It's about a renewal, the renewing of the earth. In fact, I just read, maybe as you did in the book of Revelation, a new heavens and a new earth is coming. That's that renewal. It's that millennial kingdom that the Lord would set up. By the way, right here, since we're on it, when Jesus talks about right here, the throne of his glory, that speaks of his deity, Jesus' deity, the fact that he sits on the throne and has glory, and the 12 tribes of Israel indicates that Israel is still in God's plan, that God is not done with Israel, and the fact that he sits upon a throne indicates that it is a literal kingdom. So Jesus does not hold to a non-millennial position. Jesus does not hold to a post-millennial position. Jesus is a pre-millennialist. In other words, he, he taught that he would come again and set up his kingdom. Hey, listen, everything is wrong until God sets it right. We're not going to usher in God's kingdom. And it's not like God is just ruling today on the earth unseen to the human eye. No, listen, friend, Jesus will literally come again. And will rule and reign in the, in, the, in the city of Jerusalem. And so that's what he's talking about here. And he says to Peter, he says, listen, when that happens, then you and the other disciples, you're going to judge Israel. Now, he doesn't explain how that is going to take place. He just simply says that that's how it is. And then in verse number 29, he says, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall inherit, shall receive rather an hundredfold, a hundredfold and everlasting life. I mean, on top of that, eternal life. Some even here have forsaken houses and lands and, and homes to follow him. I, um, I, I reread the, the words of Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson went to India and then also to Burma, Myanmar now. There might be some young man here asking about um, taking a wife, a young lady's hand in marriage, thinking about asking her dad what you need to do early on. I mean, like, even to talk to her. I'm not helping anybody right here. 
But for sure, as you're getting ready to ask her hand in marriage, listen to how Adoniram Judson asked. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. He's speaking a foreign language right here, but he knew what he's doing. Whether you can consent to her departure for a heathen land and her subjection to hardships and suffering of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, to persecution, and perhaps even a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you and for the sake of the, for the perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this and hope that soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise, which shall redound to the Savior from, from, the, from the heathen saved through her means for eternal woe, from eternal woe and despair? Can you part with her in the those conditions. My soul, what a way to ask for her hand in marriage. But he understood this as he went to India and as he went to Myanmar. It would cost him his life. Hey, I, I might need to remind us here today that there is a price to pay for being his disciple. It may not be as extreme as what some have faced. In fact, it doesn't take a whole lot for us to complain for a lot less. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said here that they are not making, according to what Jesus said, that you're going you're gonna to receive how, uh, fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, which by the way, if you follow the Lord, you're like, we left Kentucky, but my soul, I look around here and I've got aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and grandparents right here in this church family. You follow what I'm saying to you? And on top of that, everlasting life. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. There's no sacrifice really that we can make, but listen to what uh, Warren Wiersbe said. He said, they are not making sacrifices, they're making investments. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Peter says, what shall we receive? And the Lord explains to him that, that you're going to receive this. But, but his main point is in verse number 30. Many that are first shall be last, and those that are last shall be first. Don't let society push you into their mold. You follow him. And thus in God's economy, in God's kingdom, it's not based on rank. God's reward is not based on time invested. God's reward is not based on personal achievement. God's reward, reward is not based on the difficulty of the task. God's reward is based on this, faithfulness. Faithfulness as his servant. Jesus then in chapter number 20 gives this parable to illustrate the truth. And here's what he says. A wealthy landowner has a vineyard and he wants men to come and work in his vineyard. Is this a seasonal help? This would be grapes, obviously. And so uh, the harvest time was very short. And so listen, because of the limited harvest time, the urgency of getting enough laborers was very urgent because the grapes could waste. So he goes at the crack of dawn. He goes maybe about six o'clock in the morning, right at sunrise. And he goes to labor ready. 
or goes to, you know, like what we would call labor ready. I, I remember one, uh, one winter break, I, it was in between semesters. I was working at the time in the calf, and so school was out, so I needed a little bit of income. So I went through labor ready and, and got hired by somebody to, at, at this, uh, this convention center to set up, you know, the, the poles and the curtains, you know, for their convention and such. So I, was, I worked that day and I was paid that day. So here's Jesus saying, this man went and he tried to get workers, which by the way indicates this, God is pro-workforce. He went and he hired somebody and he's got to have means to work. So they agreed to work with him for a penny a day. Now the penny there uh, was a denarius and that would be a day's, basically a day's wage. It was fair. It was equitable. It was a fair pay for a day's work. Most men working in that society would receive that penny or that denarius. That's what they would receive. So they all agreed to it. There was no issue with it. These first laborers, there was no issue. They said, yes, that's fair. We will work with you. And so he went to work. And so then about nine o'clock in the morning, he realized my soul, we need more workers. So he went back to, back to that um, marketplace area. And he says, has anybody hired you? And no, we need work today. And so he came, they came and worked. He went back at noon and did the same thing. He went back at, at three in the afternoon and did the exact same thing. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, I mean, when there's only about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two hours to work. He goes and says, why do you stand idle? And they said, well, because we're getting paid for unemployment a lot more since COVID than. I just had to work that in there somewhere. No, they said this. Nobody's hired us. Hey, by the way, if anybody here wants to work, there's jobs around. There's jobs around and there are people that cannot work. But if you've got an able body, then you ought to work. So here's a man at 11, 11th hour, at five o'clock in the afternoon. He's hired to work the job and he gets out there and he's picking grapes and fulfilling that role there. And so anyways, he does that. And then it comes pay time. Oh man, everybody loves pay time. Well, the last ones that started working were the first ones paid. And, and the man, uh, the foreman there is paying them. And, and, the, and, and I don't know exactly how it was, but maybe there's this line of people that were coming up to get their pay. And, and, and the first ones that started in the early morning hour looked and saw, well, those that just started here about five o'clock in the afternoon, they're the first ones to get paid. And they're looking up there. And they see that silver coin come out, the denarius, the penny that came out and was laid in the hands of somebody that started at five o'clock in the afternoon. And he bumped his buddy and said, hey, did you see that? That guy that just started, the new guy, he got paid just like we get paid. Same thing. Where's the labor union? Right? Man, I mean, the labor union would have had a fit with this. Isn't that right? They would have a fit. And, and so they're murmuring, they're complaining. And, and man, I mean, I would imagine this guy that started working at five o'clock in the afternoon, he got that, that silver coin or whatever it was. And he looked at that, and thought, he had to look back up at the man and said, whoa, wow. Hey, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> About five o'clock? <laughs> There's human nature kicking in right there, right? No, I mean, he got paid. And wait, wait a minute, are you getting this? He got paid a full day's wage for just about an hour and a half. In every one of our minds right now, we're thinking, not fair. That's not fair. That's not, unless you're the one that's getting paid that. Isn't that right? Unless you're the one getting paid that, you're thinking, man, that is just not right. And that's what these guys were thinking. They were thinking, man, wait a minute. Here we were. We got started at six o'clock this morning. We worked all the way up through noon and we took a little break and then we worked through the heat of the day and we're going to get paid that. That's just not right. 
I suppose I ought to get more because I've worked longer and I've worked harder. Friend, wait a minute. What did you agree on? Well, I mean, yeah, I agreed for a penny a day. I've done you no wrong. Am I, is it not lawful for me to do with my own as I choose? Is your eye evil? Do you, do you get what he's saying right there? Is your eye evil? Do you have the, what was the evil eye? By the way, the injustice was not with the, the man, the landowner. It was the jealousy of those that had been there a long time. That's where the wrong was. They really, here's what they, here's what they should have thought. You know, this is what we agreed to and really ought to be happy for these that got paid just like I got paid. Maybe, I mean, I think we all struggle with this, right? Are you struggling with this? Yeah, yeah we're all struggling with it. Because we think, well, you ought to get what you, you ought get what you deserve. Somebody said, uh-oh. That was a very timely uh-oh. Because wait a minute, do you really want what you deserve? Do you, do you really want to plea for what you deserve? I ought to get what's coming to me. Whoa, wait a minute. You better think of what's coming to you. The fact that you're a sinner undone before God. Do you really want what's coming to you? Do you really want, do you really want what you deserve, friend? Are you listening to me here this morning? Do you really want what you deserve? Because really, if you got what you deserve, then you and I both would be in hell. Eternally separated from God. Hey, listen, we better wake up and realize, thank God he doesn't give us what we deserve. Thank God he's a God of grace. Thank God that he came by and gave us the opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved. And thank God that he's given us a place to serve him here in this vineyard called the earth. We don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But thank God he lets us serve here. We better be careful about getting this mentality. Well, I've been a member of that church a long time, a lot longer than you. Hey, it doesn't matter to God how long you've been a member of that church and what position you think you ought to have and what rewards you ought to have. Listen, would you just be reminded today that but by the grace of God, you'd be lost and undone. We didn't deserve a thing and yet he's been so gracious and merciful to us to even give us a spot. I mean, just even a little trellis, whatever it would be. If this is just my trellis to work or, or place to work here, then I am blessed to get to be here. And take what is thine and stop complaining and stop murmuring. But we get in our minds this mentality. Am I the only one that has this? Does anybody else struggle with this right here? We get in our mind, we think, well, if I'm serving God, everything ought to go smooth. I mean, if I'm serving God, my car ought to run. My battery should never die. Huh? I mean, the, the, the sandals of the children of Israel lasted and their clothes lasted 40 years. My battery ought to last at least that long. It ought not rain on my wedding day. My pipes ought not freeze up. I'm in Bible college serving God. My pipes ought not freeze up. I shouldn't have to move. We had, a pipe, we had pipes freeze in the dorms and suddenly had a waterfall in the dorm and a river running through it. It was awesome. Oh, what an awesome is a mess. But we think this should not happen to people that are serving God. We deserve better. Do you really? Do you really? Do you, do you really? 
Do you deserve better? Do I deserve better? I'm telling you, friend, I don't deserve one thing except hell. So anything you get from God is way more than what you deserve. So don't begrudge somebody else that seems to be blessed by God. Maybe they really needed that. Maybe it was a tough time. I don't know all these people's scenarios. Here's what this is teaching us. God is sovereign. You're not. There's only one God of the universe. There's only one God. And so you ought to resign as a CEO of the universe. Let God be God. Let God choose. Let God know. He knows. He chooses. You trust him. You do what he gives you to do and keep your mouth closed and go home. Be thankful. Boy, that's, that's solve a lot of problems. Just do what he gave you to do. Be thankful for what he's given you to have and don't complain. Just be thankful. Don't get the evil eye looking down the line thinking, why does he get to do that? He get to teach. She get to sing. They get to do that. They get to be there. They get to go on that vacation. They get to drive that car. They get to have that house. They get to have those clothes. Ah! Who are you mad at? Them. What'd they do? They got God's blessings. What's the real problem? They got it and you didn't. They got it before you. Maybe it's because you've been putting yourself first. And Jesus said, in my economy of things, those that put themselves first come up last. But those that put themselves last come up first. I'm just simply saying to you here this morning that we are basically selfish and unthankful people that need to be reminded from time to time that but for the grace of God, we'd all be in a mess. And we ought to be thankful and not jealous of what God does in the lives of others. But thank God for what he does in the lives of others and support that and rejoice with them. And maybe after you got your pay, then you come up with that guy and give him a high five and say, man, he was generous to you. Thank God for that. And, and he's a generous, he's a good land, landowner, isn't he? He's very generous and he's very ethical. He's very equitable. He, he did exactly like what he told me to do because listen, our God is both sovereign and our God is a God of justice and he's also a God of grace and he's a God of mercy and that's our God. God, and we get to serve him. What a blessing. But here, here's the lesson. When you put yourself first, you move yourself away from his blessings. This man was saying, I can't follow you, Jesus. It's going to cost me too much to follow you. And here's what that man did. He turned and he walked away from God's best. Peter says, uh, Lord, we're here. What do we receive? And there's going to be great blessings that would come to the life of Peter. But the Lord had to help him understand, listen, you don't need to have this entitlement mentality. You need to thank God for his grace and his mercy. And do what God has given you to do. Trust Him. Trust God, friend. He'll treat you right. He comes to you today, shows you that you're a sinner and you need salvation. Don't resist Him. Trust Him. If you are saved today and He wants you to do something, He's called you. 
This, this, is, this is the... Um, the first Sunday of the spring semester for the new students coming here, they've left California, they've left Texas, they've left um, Missouri, they've left all kinds of places to come here to Oklahoma. What a blessing. You've left father and mother. You've left brothers and sisters. Hey, look, if you'll do what God's called you to do and you'll trust him, he'll give you all that and more. It's just how good he is. You can trust him. Let's stand today. I believe the Lord is here helping us to have a servant spirit rather than a self-absorbed spirit. Jealous spirit. Realize that all we have is by His grace. I read this morning on a sign that's in our break room in the office. Gratitude makes what you have enough. Gratitude makes what you have enough. And so God, I want to thank you today. We don't deserve any of your blessings. We deserve separation from you. We deserve the punishment of sin, the wages of sin, which is death. It's not a pleasant thought, but it's true. I want to thank you today, God, for your grace and your mercy. Even that you've given us the opportunity to serve, and God, we can get an evil eye and think you ought to do more, think things ought to go better. Lord, forgive us of that. Forgive us for thinking our health and wealth and everything on this life ought to go so smooth just because we're serving you like we deserve something. Thank you for working with us as your disciples and just asking us, calling us rather to follow you. Pray that you'd help us to have that mentality that you want us to have, not to put ourselves first, but to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join these that have come this morning? We're singing invitation song very appropriately. Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. As we sing, would you come on this first verse? If you need salvation, friend, listen, don't wait. Come on this verse as we sing. Brother Tim.